Hi, everybody. It's Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. Hi, welcome to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. I'm Pete Oliver, and today we have Craig Parrish. Craig and I have known each other for a long time. We've worked together at helping develop his sales teams for, what, Craig, seven years now? At least, yeah. I've wanted him on the podcast, and we finally had the opportunity to get him here. So I'm really excited about this conversation. We talked a little bit about what the topic would be, and Craig chose creating a development journey and creating a sales culture, and both two huge topics that will either make or break any manager's team. Because if we don't have the right culture and the right development journey, then any any journey that we're going to be on with our team is pretty short-lived. So can't wait to get Craig's perspective on that. Again, Craig, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, we've, as you described, Pete, we've worked together for a long time. I, I follow you very closely and uh, particularly like the, the podcast. So it's uh, my pleasure to be here. So let's just start. Tell me, high level, what is the sales culture that you're trying to build? You know, culture is one of those things that can be difficult to define, uh, but is very well uh, felt uh, when, you, when you experience it. So it's a, it's a unique topic. But, you know, obviously, you know, we want to have a culture that is exciting. It's, it's fun. It's fast paced. Uh, those are those are things that are, are kind of key elements. But at the same time, and, and you've heard me say this, you know, the the picnics and the parties and, and those sort of things are are, are absolutely material and, and a total blast. But really developing a culture of achievement, a culture of advancement so that 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 culture sort of intertwines with this topic that we're talking about today and is really a, a big part of the fuel to allow people to embrace and experience uh, this, this journey that we're talking about and, and build an even bigger platform for themselves to advance their careers. Let me ask you about that advancement comment. It's hard to build a culture that the the actual goal of it is is to get your people to advance beyond where they're at. And I, I think some leaders have, have a tendency to want to hold on their good talent and not let them advance, frankly. So what got you over that hump? I mean, I, I know you want your people to advance. I know you see a lot of joy in seeing that happen. But how did you mentally decide that the right end game is to lose your good people? <laughs> yeah, it's a great topic to talk about. And, and I understand that sort of inflection moment uh, when a leader experiences that that sort of bittersweet situation where, you know, maybe one or many of their best and brightest are moving on to, to other things. So, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a multitude of things. You know, I, I've been fortunate uh, to work inside of organiz organizations that have a, a shared sort of mindset that we want to uh, recruit and develop 
and, and promote from within. And, you know, that takes a lot of work. There's a lot of the fundamentals around that in terms of the type of people, you know, the, the profile of the individual that you want to bring on, the level of investment that you make with them, you know, the partnership that you have uh, with your, your key stakeholders and other parts of the organization that'll, that'll be bringing this top talent in. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it kind of starts there, being able to have a, you know, a collective common vision that, you know, we believe uh, in our people. It's, it's better for our organization long term to really invest in them and grow them up and, you know, be able to cast that, that, that broad vision. But specifically within, you know, uh, my teams or at a, at a manager level, you know, that, that output can be felt, you know, like we described before is, is, is a bit of a challenge. But, um, you know, if you can get people to, to buy in uh, to the greater good, um, I also think it's incredibly important uh, at the leadership level, the manager level, for those folks to, to understand it's it's part of their their charter. Yes, we, we want them you know, obviously to meet and exceed the the sales objectives that are in front of them. That's table stakes, uh, but we also uh, rely on them and count on them to build the future stars of the company. And 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 when they do, they should also be recognized and rewarded. So make that very much part of, of your culture to, to recognize those leaders that embrace that and, and deliver upon that goal. Okay. I mean, that's, that's awesome. So I, I love the begin with the end in mind strategy and you want to, you want to be at a place where the promotion is inevitable, right? Correct. So to me, that means that these, these high performing reps will have a shelf life on the, that team specifically anyway. And because of that, it means that we want to get them to to that performance level as quickly as possible, right? Indeed. Tell me about the front end of that journey, that development journey, when you bring a rep on and what that typically looks like. And even maybe let's go even before, like what types of, how, how are you hiring for that type of profile where you know that the end game is advancement? You bet. And I, I can start really right at the beginning and maybe talk through that, uh, certainly from, you know, kind of a recruiting and profile standpoint, but maybe talk through it uh, as we see it through our sales development program, because that's in a very accelerated path that, that leads into some of our core selling roles, be it SMB and corporate and beyond. Um, but it, it does, you know, it starts with the, the type of individual that you're looking for. And you want to be able to cast that vision as well, that the type of talent and the type of person that we want to attract is somebody who does want to grow and advance their career, hopefully pretty rapidly, but has, you know, not only the aptitude, but the attitude and, and the desire to really build a career as a sales professional and, and hopefully within our industry so that there's sort of a meeting of, of the minds at the beginning. Um, but when you think about kind of that developmental life cycle, and we use life cycle uh, a lot as well when we're talking about this, we really try to break it down into bits and pieces. Um, if you've got, let's say, again, we're talking about a sales development rep, you may only have them on board for 12 months or so. That's maybe 230 days to accomplish a great deal. So you've got to really be purposeful, you know, at every step along the way. So we have very, 
very well-defined uh, recruiting processes, uh, a very uh, prescriptive uh, onboarding process so that we can get people up to speed and, and exposed to expectations and tools and, and that sort of thing to hit the ground uh, uh, running. Um, you know, we, we move them really into what we call ramp, where they get a ton of sales uh, investment, and, and you're a very big part of that, but also technical acumen and tools mastery. And then the last part, which I think is, is really critical as well, we've been able to build out in partnership with the key stakeholders across our organization, some very well-developed readiness programs so that once individuals have earned the right to start competing and be considered for roles outside of our organization, they're entered into to our readiness program where they get the opportunity to be certified and, and exposed and to learn many elements uh, of what is to come in their next role. So they, they get some of that real life experience through experiencing the, the, the entire sales process, or if it's going into an alliance role, you know, maybe working more closely with partners, but that is very well scripted. And I think the other part that's super important in the readiness program is that you engage and involve the stakeholders that are going to be, uh, you know, promoting your, your reps and into their roles. So give them an opportunity to have some say, obviously, Obviously, and, and what are the right elements and what are the, the key you know, objectives and, and milestones that they want to see from those folks. But also that allows you to involve them in the journey and they get the chance to, to then participate and, and build rapport and get exposure to those folks. And that really helps break down some of those walls if they're there. And then I think you've, you've really got kind of that two-way street that, that lends to a lot of opportunity. Yeah, you know, you made a good point there, and I want to I want to tease this out a little bit. I think responsibility breeds satisfaction in your role, and that that means different things for different types of roles. So, if you're a newly emerging rep that just got their first sales job, the level of responsibility you're going to give them obviously is going to vary over somebody that is is in a leadership role. But involving them in the process and making sure that it's bottom up and top down through that journey is huge because without that, you're not going to get buy-in. There'll be less responsibility. You might get hostages in the journey, (laughs) which, which, you know, obviously in our business, we don't want any hostages. We want everybody to want to be there. So uh, creating that level of responsibility in both directions is going to help tremendously. Let, Let me ask you this. And I'm not saying this challenge happens all the time, but occasionally you might hire somebody that believes they should be in the corner office four days into the role especially if you've got a development path journey where they, they want to get promoted and, and that language is being talked about. How do you guard against reps deciding that they deserve more when, frankly, they don't? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And, and, and some of that goes to mindset. So there could be some, some coaching uh, that needs to go along there. Um, you know, I also think there's a responsibility on the organization that, you know, people that let's say this person is performing at a high level, right? Are we giving them the level of investment uh, and opportunity that, that aligns with that to continue to challenge them? You know, we've talked about our hypos and ninjas in the past. If we, you know, if, if our development programs are homogenized for everybody, we're missing the mark, especially with, you know, high performers. So you have to be conscious of that. You know, I think you also have to put, you 
you know, again, the building blocks in, in place so that people know what the journey and the lifestyle looks like and the, the milestones that they have to achieve when they have to achieve them at, at, at the appropriate levels. So it does build out not necessarily a paint by numbers. Um, there's always going to be some flexibility and, and life happens and things of that nature. But there, there is a playbook to go back to, to be able to, to, you know, to document and establish where we are in that journey and that there really aren't shortcuts to it. So, you know, I, I think it is a, a balance of, of many things, but, you know, for hypos, if we're continuing to, to really stretch them and invest them when they're on kind of the outer edges of, of the life cycle with us is great. You know, continuing to coach people and, and cast that uh, vision in terms of, you know, these are the prescriptive steps that we that we all need to, to take part in and that we're all committed to. Um, you know, I think that goes, uh, you know, I think that goes a long way. But, you know, you, you know, it's impossible necessarily to change somebody's mindset completely on that. And, and let's face it, I would rather in most cases, Pete, have to sort of draw people back a little bit and, and get into these type of, of conversations than the inverse where I'm always having to push them along and, and sort of drag them along in this journey. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say either is perfect, but, uh, you know, give us, you know, some, some highly ambitious people that are capable, but at the same time willing to build, buy in to what the journey looks like. And I, and I think we can drive some great outcomes. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, you have to succeed in the job that you're in to get the job that you want, right? Like, it, you can't just skip the job you're in and just leapfrog over it because you you believe that that's your your destiny. There, there's a journey there, and you've got to take it. And I love what you said about playbooks and checkpoints, and there's there's going to be some accountability on on what's expected. And and I, I believe that if you are at the a top performer you will have the opportunity to get promoted. Basically it's, it really is kind of that simple. A lot yeah. of time it's kind of fait complete, of course. Yeah. So let me ask you in a situation like that, we, we know there's an, on average, you might have six to 12 direct reports per leader in a high performing organization, which means that there's going to be basically 10 to 20% less leadership than there is individual contributors. So for every one leader, there's going to be six to 12 individual contributors. How do you guard against that competitive nature of people that really want that role? And you may have three, four, five people that, that could deserve it. You could make, create internal competition on teams. How do you guard against having a competitive environment that's still positive? That's a, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, we're experiencing uh, uh, some of that uh, right now. And it's a it's a high class challenge, if you will. So I think anybody who's been, you know, had the opportunity to, to promote from within, be it management, other type roles. It, again, it's an enviable position to have more viable candidates than you have roles. It, it doesn't make it uh, any any less challenging. So, you know, even within internal uh, promotions, we go through a pretty exhaustive pros- process, uh, very much like we do in recruiting. You know, we have we have those uh, individuals, uh, you know, prepare themselves, uh, you know, through uh, certain uh, tasks and objectives that, that we ask them to do. They go through full panel interviews with uh, key stakeholders within our organization, myself, outside. So we really try to put them through uh, a, a strong process. And we do that for a couple of reasons, Pete. One, you know, we really want to, you know, 
know, we want to identify the, the best candidate at the best time and be able to use, you know, data and our firsthand experiences to kind of lead us to that decision. That, that's obviously critical. But also at the same time, you want everybody who's earned the right to be considered for that role to, to really gain a lot from that experience so that they've learned, they've got better, they really feel like the organization had their best interests in mind and gave them a heck of an opportunity and a fair opportunity to compete. And even if they weren't selected at this time, this point, they feel like they are better because of the process and, and more ready the next time that opportunity presents itself. I always love when reps, when they don't get the role, will say, I'd like part of my coaching and mentor journey to be improving so that the next time this doesn't happen. Indeed. Development, I th- a lot of times gets pigeonholed and readiness gets pigeonholed into the next position. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much opportunity to evolve inside of the role that you have. If you, if you have that belief system that I'm good and I want to get better and there's so many things I can do inside of this role, if you get people to believe that, de- that their development journey can happen within the role that they have, I think it's going to make them a better rep, period. But it also will will put them in a position to to have satisfaction by making incremental improvements with the job they have, and uh, that that to me helps because those those leaps from job to job they just don't happen that often. If you have that mindset of how can I get better today, then you start living in the present, and that'll just make you better and ready for the next role too. I couldn't agree more, Pete. And I think that uh, you know I think there's also formal ways to uh, kind of recognize and reward uh, what you described. And, you know, inside, you know, our, our roles, uh, individuals have the opportunity to, to become a, a, a senior or, you know, an advisory or an executive within their sales role without maybe being promoted in, into management or field. The opportunity to be a, a team lead, uh, which is a, a great sort of breeding ground for folks that ultimately uh, may want to make a career in, in management which is great. And formal mentor programs, uh, again, for, you know, individuals that have demonstrated the ability to, to really take ownership of the role and, and want to help others. So I think that kind of aligns with sort of the mindset and, and the process that you were describing before. But if you can build some of those those formal sort of, of roles and experiences uh, for your people, again, I think it goes a long way towards uh, embracing what they've done and also has a, a really strong impact on on, on the greater good as well. How many individual contributors have you promoted into a management position over the years? You, you got a ballpark number for me? I would say dozens at least. Uh, and in terms of individual contributors, you know, sales going into fields and things like that, it's probably into the hundreds, but it, at least dozens into uh, frontline managers, second line managers and beyond. Yeah. Needless to say, you've done a lot of this and I've worked with a lot of your leaders and I, I see the culture that's that's there inside the leadership team and then how that manifests down into their teams. And it's been impressive and it makes our lives easier as partners with you because we know that your leaders are leading from the front. So let's go success triangle here mm-hmm. on, on that particular leap from individual contributor into manager. Give me one attitude that you think is paramount for somebody that's about to make that leap? 
Boy, that's a great question. And it's probably the, the toughest leap. And then they're entering the, the toughest yet most critical role in the organization, the frontline leader. So you, know, you, you really want to get it uh, right. So in terms of attitude, you know, I, I think we would want to tease that out before, but and, and it may sound generic, but I would want to go to a team and really, you know, that that type of individual that is comfortable with sort of stepping out of the individual limelight and understands, obviously, that their path to success is, is through others. And are they willing to really give them uh, the, the space, provide them the investment, give, give others the recognition and reward that maybe they were more apt to receive before? So it's that ability to sort of, you know, step back and then really step into the team that I think to me is the the real sign of somebody that is a true sort of, um, you know, altruistic leader. Okay. Love it. I, I'm guessing that's a tough thing to tease out in an interview. Maybe we'll have to do another podcast on how to interview for leaders. But that, to me, that it's huge. And I, I think back, I remember years ago, I was managing a technology sales team and, and my best day at that company when was when I saw like seven of my people get up on stage for president's club, Indeed. that was my proudest moment. It didn't have anything to do with my own achievement. It was our team and what they accomplished. And I still remember that to this day, like how I felt when I saw the majority of our team get up and get those awards. It was, it was awesome. That was all about team for sure. Okay. How about a behavior? One behavior that you look for in new leaders. You know, I think it's really around um, kind of organization, you know, having a plan, developing your cookbook, that sort of thing. Um, you know, kind of where we began, you know, have the 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 end in mind and, and build your plan and process to get there. You know, I'm a huge believer that 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 time is uh, our most valuable asset. And I think when people step into the leadership role, I think they're awed by the uh, amount of, of time that it takes to, you know, not only invest and develop and, and deal in a lot of cases with their individual contributors, but also be a fabric of the, of the leadership team and be able to, to you know, um, engage themselves in those key initiatives and, and roll out, you know, strategies. So I think, you know, a lot of us are guilty of thinking, you know, I wonder what what my boss does all day. You know, I'm sure they've got it on easy street. And then when you have a chance to step into that role, in some cases, you're just, again, you're just blown away by the amount of responsibilities and activities that, that, uh, that you need to handle on a day-to-day basis. So seeing that an awful lot. So helping them from the very beginning, understand that, you know, they're going to have to be able to scale themselves. Uh, They're going to have to build out an operating plan that allows them to, to, to invest and be present for their team and also, you know, again, develop and, and, and uh, drive a, a strategy uh, that's going to lead us to success. So I think I, I, that wasn't one specific, I guess, uh, you know, uh, behavior, if you will, but uh, hopefully it kind of puts us uh, in that line of thinking, you know, having a plan and working that plan and being disciplined to it. Well, I think it's paramount because if you don't, you're going to, you're gonna basically going to react to your day and then you'll, without a plan, you're just going to spend your life helping other people accomplish theirs. And 
we, we want to help other people accomplish theirs. That's probably why we got into leadership. But if we don't invest part of our time in proactively determining what our plan is, what our team's plan is, then you'll be reactionary and you'll have no control over your days. And it, it actually gets pretty taxing. It does. It does. Yeah. And you see a lot of, you know, newer leaders that uh, are on the verge of burnout, you know, and just become frustrated and, and, and feel that, you know, that there's maybe too much on their plate or they're not able to accomplish what they set out to do. So obviously want to avoid that and, and, and drive a, a completely different set of outcomes. Sandler calls that pay time. And for managers, that's pay time. It's those, those are the money-making moments when you've decided what your plan's going to look like. A lot of times that, that happens because it's consistent with your vision and the goals are there from the company level and the individual level. But without action, nothing happens. And that, that plan is, is that basic uh, layer between goals and action. And, and without it, you end up reacting. I love that. It's in drawing that out with new leaders. And a lot of times if you get an individual contributor that has an account plan, has a territory plan, and they are proactive against how they're going to go attack that account or that territory, then that will translate into a leadership plan, mm -hmm. team-wide territory plan. So there, there is some transferable uh, skills that will happen if you can find reps that did a good job of, of following their own plan, their own cookbook. Cool. Okay. The technique question, and I'm sure you could go in about 20 different directions and there's probably not one, but if there was one, what would it be? You know, I would go down the, the path of it's a little bit of, of all three, but, you know, it's really having that coaching mindset and, you know, being able to, uh, you know, become a, a great coach, you know, and some of that is desire and, and time, but understanding the, the techniques and, and understanding your sales process, uh, you know, being able to Put that on display uh, with the teams, be it in role plays or in giving great uh, feedback on on ride alongs. You know, again, building into your plans to do strong, you know, pre call and, and post call debriefs. So I think really that sort of it starts with mindset, as with most things, right? But uh, wanting in, in, to be a, a world class coach and then developing you know the patterns and, and the skills to deliver upon that. That to me is the toughest skill for a new leader is, is to hone those, those coaching skills and it, because the new leaders, they, they're going to want to do it the way they did it. Right. As a rep. And that is not coaching. That is telling. There's a big difference between coaching and telling and, and figuring out if they have the ability to turn into a coach is, is huge. That's game changing for a new leader. If they can figure out that puzzle for sure. Okay, Craig. Yeah. Obviously if, any of us earn the right to become a leader, we were probably successful as an individual contributor. And there's probably an inflection point along the way that made you want to go into leadership. Can you share with us what, what that reason was? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And uh, I like where you started about, you know, having, having success in your current role. I think one of the things that kind of put me down this path is that uh, I struggled quite a bit initially you know, the, the sales process and, and selling in general didn't come real naturally to me. And what that 
sort of led to was I had to put a lot of work into it. And I really had to break it down and, and, and learn the process and develop my skills and, you know, re- record my pitch uh, and, and really practice, you know, the, the, these skills to get better. And I think that was, was noticed by uh, our leadership team at the time. I was also incredibly unfortunate, fortunate uh, to have some unbelievable mentors that, that believed in me and, and helped me in that journey uh, and then allowed me to kind of take what I had learned and, and share that with other individuals on the team and, and, and new, uh, new individuals on the team. And I think kind of through that process, uh, they sort of recognized that, wow, maybe I could be a good coach. And then through that process myself, I found out that I really enjoyed it. I liked working with other people and, and seeing them develop. And it made me better at the same time, too. So there was a, a win-win there. And, and I think kind of those couple of things came together that, you know, some of the skills and how I applied them, you know, might, might uh, work well in, in a leadership role. And then some of that exposure and, and you know, the, 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 the senior leaders in our organization being able to witness that, you know, kind of thought that uh, this might be a good journey for, for me to partake in. And, and uh, yeah, so I was super uh, appreciative to, to earn that. And, and I've, I've really loved, you know, loved it uh, every minute along the way. You know, we've been doing it for a couple of decades now. And I'm just super excited to get the opportunity every day uh, to get up and, and go back to some of those groups and, and you know, help people get better and, and help them along their way. So needless to say, you had that team and you had that team attitude right up front and you wanted to become a better coach and that fueled that, that transition for you too. Indeed. Yeah. Right from the beginning. And I'm a big believer in that. You know, there's a there's a lot of things with management and, and leadership that can be challenging and and, and time consuming and, and things of that nature. There's a lot of beautiful things to it as well. But, uh, you know, if, if you're getting a lot of intrinsic value and you feel that, you know, that that investment back into you when you're helping people, that's probably a pretty good guidepost that you, you want to step into this uh, leadership journey. I think that's a great way to wrap it up, Craig. I really appreciate you investing the time to come on the podcast. And again, our goal here is to help individual contributors and leaders emerge on purpose into whatever their next role is inside an organization. And your insight on how to develop reps and what that journey looks like and and how to make sure that you you keep a positive sales culture in that process, huge. So thanks again for joining, Craig. Appreciate your time. And everyone, thanks for listening to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. Thanks to you, our listeners. If you would like to support the Emerge On Purpose podcast and help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Emerge On Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to reach me, by the way, you can. LinkedIn.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sailfish Pete. That's S-A-L-E-F-I-S-H-P-E-T-E.